Welcome to Creating a Family, talk about adoption and foster care. Today, we're going to be talking about how to juggle kids, schooling, and work during the coronavirus shutdown without losing our minds. This is the third in a five-part series we are doing on surviving and hopefully thriving during the coronavirus shutdown. The first two were surviving being cooped up with your kids during coronavirus isolation. Uh, And the second one is homeschooling kids on top of everything else during coronavirus. You can find both of those at our website. You could go to creatingafamily.org hover over the word resources in the horizontal menu and click on the word podcast. Or the easier way is just to subscribe to our podcast, Creating a Family, talk about infertility and adoption on whatever podcast app you prefer. Whatever you're listening to it now on, there is a subscribe button. Click it and then all of our, uh, you can access our entire library. So that's the way to do it. The next two weeks, we're going to be bringing you building resiliency in your child and your family during the COVID crisis, and what does connected parenting look like during the shutdown? So that there you have it. Those are all five parts. And uh, again, if you're subscribing, you will get all of them. Today, we're going to be talking about how to juggle kids, schooling, and work during the coronavirus shutdown without losing your mind. That last part is important, without losing your mind. (laughs) We're going to be talking with Julie Beam. She is the Executive Director of Attachment and Trauma Network. She is the author of a book in the Adoption Parenting book on trauma and attachment, and she frequently presents workshops on attachment and trauma to local and national groups. Welcome, Julie, to Creating a Family. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Don. I'm excited to um, to get to talk about this very timely um, issue that we're all facing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want you to know, everyone who is listening, that we are in this with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there are so many plates that are... I I just feel like I I, juggling is the right word. I have so many plates that are up in the air and I live in fear of dropping them. Uh, I, you know, I, I really do. It's like, I think, Oh gosh. And I wake up at night going, did I do this? Did I do that? You know, and, and and how am I going to get that done? So it's a, it is a juggling act. Yeah. I I just, that's how it feels, you know, and to say that this is a stressful time is probably the, (laughs) the biggest understatement of the year. And I think what's adding to some of the stress is that we're trying to do it all. And, you know, I thought about this. What we are being asked to do is impossible. We're trying to be asked to teach our kids every subject in school, get them outside to exercise at least once a day, but preferably twice, provide food for them. And it seems like they eat all the time. I mean, I know we're supposed to be doing it three times a day, but quite frankly, that wasn't what I was usually doing. And, you know, when they were in school, so now I'm doing it all the time and I'm doing all this with no extra help for sure. And I'm, and I'm trying to do stuff that we're already supposed to be doing such as work or, or, or other stuff, clean the house, heaven forbid that hasn't happened. Um, and this is just a setup for failure and certainly for a, for a failure, if not failing in actual fact, a feeling like we're failing. So I, I, hence why I wanted to talk with you about this topic today, because I feel like parents need help in realizing that juggling to a certain extent seems to me like a, a, it's not an apt analogy because the truth is we can't juggle it all. Exactly. I'm, I'm a prime example of a person who fills myself with doing things to um, even compensate for thinking about things. And right now, the, the paradigm is that we're, we've all made an incredible change in our lives. Nobody has not, you know, everybody's been impacted. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's life has shifted dramatically, and we didn't have control over that at all, right? Nope. So, not a bit. <laughs> so it happened to us. And so we feel out of control and um, our children feel out of control. Our spouses feel out of control. Our pets are quizzing why we're around all of the time. So everything. No, no, is- my pet is enjoying this. <laughs> my pet. You must have a dog because the cats are going, why are you here? <laughs> I do have a dog and she is living her best life. Let me just tell you. This is like uh, if, if her dream, this is her dream come true. Uh, yeah, everybody is around. 
the dogs love it the cats are a little confused <laughs> probably uh, but, but um it's change is hard and change can really ping on every anxiety every stress level that we have even when we're not acknowledging it and if you're like me a caretaker at heart um you want to try to solve the problem you want to try to fix everything you want to try to make sure that it's all happening so you are trying to juggle all of these plates and and then you feel like a giant failure even when you're not failing because of all of that stress and anxiety. And because a lot of times our children are reacting in those very anxious ways. Those of us at the Attachment and Trauma Network know that a lot of our children have an underlying baseline of, of some early rough beginnings. And that causes them to feel the stress is bigger a lot of times. And then we, you know, just by trying to parent that, also feel the stress bigger. And we're trying, you know, and, and we, we just can get into that vicious cycle that we have to stop and say, okay, what's really important here? Mm -hmm. What, you know, what, what matters in, in this world? And I know that we've had a lot of families coming to us going, I don't know how I can do this. I can't school the, the children. I can't figure out, you know, how to cook. We're not used to having, you know, um, home meal, home cooked meals from scratch a hundred percent of the time. And it's just overwhelming. And my, I guess my biggest advice is back off to what's important. And what's important is to be a family and to connect and to obviously you have to feed everybody because nobody can go without food but start shifting the way that you that you're thinking about your day um and you know doing what's absolutely necessary but making sure that what's absolutely necessary is in that relationship in that connection back to your family and all of the other stuff doesn't matter i mean so you got a pile of laundry there it's probably not the first time you've had a pile of laundry maybe it happens to be higher and maybe at some point you as a family can figure out how to do that laundry you know but it's but for the time being the focus is what can we do to help everybody connect to help everybody check in to help everybody figure out a new level of of calm and and safety in this new environment um, one of our members suggested a wonderful idea of just having everybody list things that haven't changed or things that you feel safe and secure about right now and keep that list somewhere um, where you can see it when you're starting to not feel that way which is most of the time i mean if you're like me your mind rambles to whatever the crisis is in your life whether it's somebody that you know who's ill whether it's you know your financial issues whatever's happening right now because truly it is happening right now but if you you know if you have this other list that says well i'm in my home and it's safe i'm you know in my home and we're we're warm and snuggly and you know we have we have family time together and there's more connection um, my daughter made a list and it was things like I have my pet and I you know can watch my favorite TV show and you know so it's things that we take for granted that need to sort of come to that fore forefront um, and then we can start prioritizing so that all of those plates that are spinning some of them we might just have to not spin them for a while does that make sense it does and the world won't fall apart i love what you i love the focus on relationship start the day when you're when you're feeling overwhelmed by all the plates in the air and everything that you feel like you must do the way that you prioritize what gets done should be a relationship what is connecting you to your family what is is strengthening the relationships within your family and what is not and the things that are not may have to just we may have to let some of them go and you know what that's hard because the truth is we want to do it all and it's not like some of that stuff isn't important you know that's just right. the truth it, it you know all those plates that you have in the air have some degree of importance the problem is we have to prioritize them some are heavier than the other to to overwork this analogy <laughs> and so those are the ones and and so in when making your decision focus on the relationship focus on the connection uh, exactly. and and that means 
that means some things won't happen. All right, let's start with, honestly, this has surprised me somewhat, but by far, what we hear most, the, the, the most stressful aspect of this for many parents uh, is schoolwork, mm -hmm. keeping up with schoolwork. And one of the uh, people in our community commented, she said, you know, my child goes to a school where they have four, five teachers. And, you know, one's focusing on math, one's focusing on science, one's focusing on English, one's focusing on PE. Now, all of a sudden, I am all of those. Mm -hmm. And I'm having to focus, not only am, not, am I not a teacher, but I'm having to focus on trying to teach five subjects, of which at least four of them I don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that it, it helps to think in terms of if you're trying to lower the pressure. Well, think about that. You're really, you can't do, I mean, that it's not possible. Uh, to to do what you're being asked to do, not to do it completely and thoroughly. So let's talk some about schoolwork. First of all, let me ask, are you also seeing that families uh, are stressing about keeping it's, their kids caught up in school? It's the biggest stressor. What do I do about this whole school thing? And especially with children who, um, who have that underlying baseline of trauma because change generally throws them way off in you know mm -hmm. in general and then to try to do school in a new way and to try to become the teacher and there's just, there's so much dynamic there don that um i'm gonna i'm gonna just i don't know that you and i have shared this about me but i virtually schooled my daughter for a decade so i have done you know an online public school if you will i know how hard it was for us initially to adjust it took the better part of a school year and now people are trying to do it in a week right mm -hmm. um and to, to figure out that new environment and it was you know it was a learning curve and it ended up being the right um, environment for her for a lot of different reasons but it wasn't easy and i was beside myself because i had this high expectation of how important this education was i mean i just mm -hmm. i i i um come from an educated family. I want my children to be educated. So I was highly motivated to make that happen. And I was in constant um, dismay about how poorly I could do that and how poorly it was working out in the beginning until I realized that um, children are learning all of the time. And just like we teach our teachers at ATN, when we teach trauma-informed education, children can't learn when their brains are stressed out, their brains are offline and they can't. So if you're stressed out and your children are stressed out, we're really not learning anything anyway. So it is, you know, it sounds very um, opposite of the intensity in which we should try to be making our kids do the schoolwork. But I would say, you know, you may have to turn this on in your ear and let up on your expectations about how much work is going to get done or how much, you know, or, or driving that education into their heads because the other thing and schools are probably going to hate me for saying this to you about <laughs> education is that that information is is pr usually presented in a curriculum spiral so if your child doesn't learn it now they're going to get another chance to learn it with extra added information on top of it and that goes for math and that goes for science and that goes for history I mean, you can easily see it in history, like you cover, you know, in the, in Georgia anyway, we cover the Civil War, like in fifth grade, and then again in eighth grade, and then again at, at a certain level in high school, and it's just layered on top of itself. So um, you might have to lower your expectation right now because of where everybody's minds are with our, with the change and with the worry and with the, and instead figure out other learning things that you can do. Um, it's okay to play board games that introduce math concepts instead of doing the math worksheet. It really is. You know, there's a lot of, you know, it's okay to use cooking as a math lesson, you know, if that's, and, and do it in a casual family connected way because then your children's brains are calmer and so they're, their thinking brain is able to take in that information and who doesn't need cooking as a skill you know when they grow up it's something we don't always actively think about teaching but you know why not use you know use your brain to figure out what kind of uh, things 
could I do that might introduce them to concepts that have to do with where they are academically? The challenge is depending on what the teacher's expectations are, because that's yes. the other level of pressure that comes on, right? Is Absolutely. that the teacher's like, you've got to get this done and you've got to get this done in this way. And um, I, I'm amazed because I have a lot of connections to trauma-informed educators across the country who are trying to make their schools um, more trauma-informed, more social-emotional learning-based um, uh, facilities. And they are reaching out to us about how do we do that in a distance way. And a lot of what we're talking to them about is just what I talked to you about is to figure out ways to keep that relationship going and to keep those, you know, keep those connections alive. So they're doing very creative things in online classrooms that aren't necessarily curriculum driven. They're more connection driven. Let's do a group project. Let's do, you know, make a fun video and share it with the rest of your classmates so that we can remain connected. Um, all of those wonderful films of people doing parades past their, their kids' houses or past their teachers' house, all of that connection is really what everybody needs now, both the teachers mm -hmm. and the parents and the, and the children, so that we all remember we're in it together. And there are a lot of them that are saying, look, you know, our, the way we're going to grade this is that it's only going to make your grade better if you happen to turn in work that it, you know, that raises the grade, and otherwise we're just going to let it go. Um, and I hope that most of you have have that kind of a situation with your teachers, with your schools. And if you don't, maybe maybe part of what you could spend your energy on is talking to the school. Can we? You know, you know it's just impossible here, especially if you have multiple children to juggle their multiple expectations expectations and if they happen to be struggling in an area. Um, I know that when my daughter reached the levels of middle school and high school, the math was way above me. And she, you know, so she needed tutors and other supports. And, you know, if you can find that, that's great. But right now, nobody's really optimally teaching. You know, the teachers are optimally teaching because they, they're still learning the platforms and the connectivities. The parents can't optimally teach because we're not math teachers. We're not science teachers. And so the best thing we can do is, you know, is build relationship, is build that whole connection, that whole calmness around this so that our children don't, don't start to feel like failures themselves, don't start to feel angry about, you know, about schoolwork, angry about this situation. You know, we, we want them to be willing learning participants, and we sure don't want to squelch that by, you know, by the bad experience of all of this. Does that make sense? It does. It makes a lot of sense. I was talking with a friend who is a grandmother to a 13-year-old, and raising her, uh, she is the, she is the uh, kinship grand, uh, care, she's primary care of this, of this daughter, and uh, of a granddaughter, and she said that uh, she was saying, She's got a 54 in science. I've got to catch her up. I mean, I've got to do something. She's got a 54. And I said, no matter what you do, okay, so you work your hardest. You get her up to a 60. Is that worth the stress you're experiencing right now? No matter what you do, she's failing and probably is going to be failing science. That's a problem. And that's a problem that you can't really solve right now. And there's nothing you're going to do right now other than stress her and stress you and ruin this time uh, completely more than it already is by worrying about it. So I, I do think that people feel the need to, okay, all of a sudden I'm realizing that my kid is struggling. So I've got to, I've got to, I've got to be the hero coming in here and, uh, and making up for everything. Right. Uh, it, and that's probably oh, not realistic. And you can't be the hero. I mean, if you're if you're realizing for the first time because you're sitting next to your child and realizing that they aren't up to grade level and they aren't up to par, um, that's that's kind of a future problem to solve with the school when things calm down, as opposed to you know right now I have to make sure that you know that they learn everything that they were supposed to learn in this grade level. Of, of science this year, not going to happen. It's just what you might be able to do is figure out um, ways to show your child how science is useful. I mean, and right now with this virus going on, we got lots of ways that science is useful, right? <laughs> and so pointing out 
that's science. This is how science is applied. These are things that you can use science for in the future might spark their curiosity and their um, desire to learn more. If that's, you know, if, if it's a motivational thing that's going on, a lot of times it's not. And a lot of times it's, you know, you realizing that and recognizing that might, might be able, you might be able to go back to the schools when things are a little back to whatever the new normal is going to be and suggest that they need extra help in that. Maybe the teacher hasn't noticed that, or maybe the teacher has and is giving them that extra help in some way that you're just not able to do. So I, it, one of the things that I, we encourage the parents and the teachers both is that now more than ever is the time to be talking to each other. If you don't have a relationship with the teacher, where you can call them, text them, interact with them. Now is the time to ask for that. And the teachers the same way. It's like you need to be checking in with the parents as much as you're checking in with the children, even if the children are high school age and and pretty independent learners, just to make sure you know what's going on in the house. You know, so that you, whether you know somebody's sick there, whether you know what, what the situations are, so that you can help support that in a more social, emotional kind of, way and the same goes for parents you've got to just say hey look i don't know how to help her here this is too much for us it's overwhelming because the teachers don't know how to gauge how much work to give unless the parents give them that feedback if that mm-hmm. makes sense there's also a little bit of a sense of competition um i, I see that in our uh, online support group not uh, our uh, facebook uh, support group i see that the well you know his best friend is they're making a video they've done, you know, they, they turn their entire living room into a, uh, a stage set or, or whatever, you know, uh, uh, they set up an entire uh, physics lab or what. So there's a, I'm, I am, I am being the slacker parent here. I'm not, my kid is going to be hurt because I'm not able to do it all. So thoughts on that. Um, yeah, that's, it's really hard, isn't it? And especially if you have children who are not weathering the storm so well, I mean, the families that, that, um, that join ATM that become parts of our network are families whose children have been significantly impacted by trauma. A lot of them carry diagnoses like reactive attachment disorder or developmental trauma disorder. And they're, um, and, and this situation can not always can make their um, their behaviors their responses you know magnify so you're so you're watching pinterest and you're seeing all these beautiful yeah. um, mm-hmm. easter decorations that your neighbors have put up on the on their windows or out no no their kids made it their kids right. made right. these wonderful things yes right uh-huh. they went out yeah. into onto the sidewalk and made this big mural or whatever yeah. it is that they that they did and they all seem really happy and and connected and like they're just breezing through their days. And um, yeah. my first advice would be get off your social media. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because because that's just making you feel bad. And mm-hmm. you know, the what you're not seeing the other 23 hours of those kids' lives. You really don't know what's happening next door at the house. And is this really a competition at all? I mean, my family can't be in competition with your family. It just really, you know, that's, that's such a, I don't know. It's hard because it really is embedded in our parenting. It's like that we have that, that gut level of, of to be a successful parent, we have to do A, B, C, and D. Or to be a successful parent, our kids need to be a success as, and by success being defined at how other people define it so that what our kids do and how they behave and how they learn is a reflection on our parenting skills. I say that as, as, as a falsehood, not as a truth, but that is, it's a, that's how it's very easy to slip into that, that that we are now, how we are parenting is how our kids are doing. Yes. Now during the quarantine is the first time that that feeling has overwhelmed you. Then you have navigated some pretty tough waters, but um, I, you know, you gotta, that's the thing you gotta let go right now. What's right for my family is right for my family mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, it just, it really is. And I would rather have a connected, loving relational human being as my grown child, one that could, that, that could have 
you know, to go on and have their own family, go on and connect to, the, to society in a positive way, even if they weren't a math ace, even if they've never been a star athlete, even if they weren't an award-winning actor or artist or any of those things. If they have, um, in, langu in language that I would use, healthy attachment style, if they are able to really connect and, and, and are, um, are folks who are emotionally strong and able to emotionally um, connect with others and, and to, um, do realize what their own emotions are doing and, and be healthy in that way, it's 40,000 times better. And so if mm -hmm. I'm at home working on just being a good family, being a strong family, being a family that, you know, that is connected in that way um, and letting all of that other stuff go, I, I am being the best parent I can be. That's my, I mean, and mm -hmm. that's a paradigm, mm -hmm. that's a huge paradigm shift because that's not what the world is going to measure you on, except, mm -hmm. you know, because we don't, we, we don't often think about that. We don't often sit, see a person who we think is, is um, highly emotionally put together and we go, man, they must have had some really good parents. You know, <laughs> we, don't, we don't think about that, but it's true. I mean, the, the brain science tells us that that is exactly the, the parent's input or the, the, the one person who's poured into the child the most, that's their input, is that is, is whatever the child is able, however they can function emotionally, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And, that, and so now, in a way, we've been given this special time that if we can keep our own emotions at bay, if we can take care of ourselves enough, if we can recognize what's important, we have some extra time when the busyness of the world is not making us run to, to basketball practice or Girl Scouts or church activities or all these other things. We've got this concentrated time to really pour into our children if we are able to from an emotional standpoint. Yeah. And so we might be able to turn that on the ear. Does that also mean we could go out and do some of those things that we put on social media and, and look good as a family? Yeah, if we're there. But if we're not, it's much better to just do whatever that connection, playful kind of thing is that we, that we should be doing. So let's summarize uh, some of the tips. We have given so many good tips uh, mm -hmm. on how to handle the the, the juggling, the aspect of the ball that is schoolwork in your, in your juggling, um, how to handle that. I will start, I'm going to combine two. One is to uh, decrease the pressure on yourself by lowering expectations of what you can do, what you're going to get done, what you should do. Uh, just drop some of the pressure. Uh, this is not the time to... Uh, try to surge ahead and not, so anyway, drop the pressure. That's uh, decrease the pressure. That would be my first one. Now, so what would be your second tip? Um, You've said a lot already, but. I would focus on the, you know, I would focus on the emotion that was in the room. So in other words, if I'm helping, um, helping my child do schoolwork or if we're trying to get housework done or if whatever, whatever we're doing, if it's working, and we can be playful and we can have a positive interaction around it, then we should build on that and, and not so much on whatever our time schedule is. Um, if it's not working, we should call it. Just like you said, you know, we, we have lower expectations. We say, you know what? Math class is not working right now. So we're logging out. We'll come back later when we're able to do that. And we're going to go do something that is more connected. That is more, that, that is more, emotionally calming that gets us all back into that regulated state. Okay. Third tip would be um, education takes place in a lot of different ways and doesn't necessarily mean filling out the uh, working on the software that the school has sent home that you must do or filling out the, the, the worksheet that is, has been sent home. There are lots of different ways that learning can take place. And utilizing this time to focus on learning by uh, listening to a podcast, by cooking, by gardening, by doing other things mm -hmm. and trying to focus on, on what you can learn from those activities. All right. So what would be another tip that you have shared with us already? Um, I don't know that I said it exactly this way, but because you're the parent, you're the leader of the house. 
So that means you have to monitor your own emotion and your own mood. And that may mean getting off of that social media so that you don't feel that competitiveness with um, whatever's been posted on Pinterest or whatever your, um, your neighbor just tweeted to you. But instead, you're staying focused on what you need and what your family needs and how you're, and how you're providing that level of care to yourself and to them. Okay. Uh, another tip would be talk with the school. If your kid is struggling, and let's face it, a lot of our kids come with an underlying level of stress that other kids don't have because of early childhood trauma. So they're starting on a different playing field. And if all of the schoolwork and all of the expectations around schoolwork are too hard for your kids, sending them into meltdowns, ruining the, making it difficult to focus on relationship. Talk with the school and say, okay, this is what we're experiencing and this is how we're, I'm going to, uh, we're, we're going to do rather than 20 math problems a day, we're going to do five or whatever it is. And talk with the school and initiate a discussion with the school about what you're experiencing and what you're, what you're going to do about it as a family. Mm-hmm. All right. So what would be another tip? I think it's important, we really didn't talk on, about this, but I think it's important to celebrate anything that, any positive things that are happening. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking a lot about all of the stress and how to mitigate that, how to handle that, how to overcome that, but you overcome it by the positive things. And so, you know, if your child does those five math problems, then you should have some kind of a little mini celebration. And it could be just as simple as, you know, running around giving everybody high fives or whatever it is that that's, um, that's playful and joyful and, you know, and, and celebrating, you know, whether you at night um, at the dinner table, everybody, you know, says the one thing that they accomplished that they're the proudest of, and then you all have some kind of a, some kind of a, um, a big celebration about that. I'm, you know, I'm a big believer in that, in that the positive reinforcement of parents, the positive acknowledgement of something that, that a child does, does a lot to help build their own resiliency, their own, um, relationship with you uh noticing the good things instead of being focused on on the bad things our children know that they're having that they're struggling in school so if you see them do something that's positive i i would magnify it during this time as much as you can perfect yeah i believe we need to celebrate more in our family and in our life and in this world and and that's never more important than right now uh, during this time Let me remind everybody that this show is underwritten by the Jockey Bing Family Foundation. This year, the Jockey Bing Family Foundation is celebrating 15 years of providing post-adoption support resources to help strengthen families. Please join them and celebrate 15 years of the Jockey Bing Family Foundation. With your help, they can continue to provide post-adoption support resources to adoptive families. They believe through education, they can build strong families for successful futures. You can find out more and you can donate to help contribute to their work at jockeybeingfamily.com slash donate. All right. Another of the, the balls that we are juggling or plates, I guess that was my analogy. Another one of the, uh, another big plate that some of us are juggling uh, is work. You know, it's a funny thing that seems like we're in a feast or famine world in that that some people have been furloughed or laid off and they're struggling with, you know, what, how do they, well, financially, and then, and how do they adjust to having a whole lot more time on their hands? But for others, it's a, it's a mixed blessing, but they're fortunate to still have a job, but they're working from home and they're working from home at the same time that they have kids in the home and that they don't have childcare for these kids. So the kids are there uh, and they've got, uh, they're also schooling. They're also having to figure out how to get meals. They've got to get, you know, the laundry, perhaps even heaven forbid, you know, cleaning the house. So all of this is work itself can put a, a huge amount of stress on families during this time. And it's hard because you don't want to complain because on the other hand, you've got a job. 
and you have a job that's allowing you some other people have jobs that are having to go into their jobs and being exposed and there's that additional worry so what right do you have to complain because you're able to t telecommute and you're able to work at home but that is not an easy thing to do uh with kids around it, it just isn't so let's give some some tips for families on how how would you cope what would you suggest for families to do to be able to cope with working from home uh, and being productive and trying to really give uh, give it your all. Uh, it, well, perhaps not your all, but <laughs> be able to actually be a productive worker because there are people who are concerned, you know, is my job going to still be there? So I, I want to perform. So yeah, so what can you, what would you suggest for families who are uh, parents who are struggling with how they can work at from home without uh, child care available for their children? Well, um, there are, you know, there, I can give you some specific tips about that, but it also is a little bit like the relationship with the teachers. I think you need to talk to your employer about exactly what the expectations are right now. Um, it's not going to be the same. It can't be the same as the expectations are, you know, when I'm in the office, when I'm, you know, when I'm doing what I normally do in the environment I normally do it at. So what, what is the critical path of what it is I need to work on at work? In other words, what are the meetings I absolutely have to be at? What time are they going to be so that I know what, you know, what, what goal specifically do I need to meet and by when? So then I can get really creative. If, I, if my goal is next Monday, and here we are, on, you know, I hope it's not next Monday since right now we're taping on a Friday, but if it's next Tuesday or Wednesday, then I know I have all of those hours to, to work towards that goal. So I may have to work on the weekends. The weekends may start to look exactly like the weekdays, right? Because they're mm -hmm. gonna, I'm gonna, or I may have to be, you know, evenings or mornings or flex my availability depending on what the children and everybody else in the house needs because I may have a spouse at home who's working or a young adult child who's quarantined with me who's also working from home and we may have to share devices and you know there may be all of those aspects that the scheduling becomes that becomes critical around so I need to know what the end game is from my employer and what their flexibility is in that um, at ATN, all, we all have worked from home from the get-go. So my entire staff is at home. But what I notice when we get together for meetings is that we're not initially being as productive because we can't be. Our minds are, you know, off on something else. We each have our own um, worries in our own households. So we have just decided that we're going to start our our meeting times and not expect that level of productivity instead just expect that level of letting it out how are things really happy in, in, in your world right now and people just have got that two or three minutes of letting go before we can get down so i'm hoping if you have control over the workspace that you're in that you're doing that with some of your coworkers. that you're allowing that that relational stuff to come out because that's that's so important um, and then you just have to, you have to critical path the things. So if I have a 10 o'clock Zoom meeting that I have to be at and it's critical, then I've got to figure out what everybody in the family is going to be doing at 10 o'clock, right? Mm -hmm. That keeps them from running through the middle of my Zoom, you know, with the dog barking and the kids screaming and, and mom, I need you to tie my shoes and all those other interactions. And so I'm going to have to find something. And again, it's all just by by age and if you're lucky enough to have another adult in the house you just sort of do that tag team thing where you know i need 10 o'clock and then you can have 11 o'clock and you mm -hmm. go back and forth if you're not that lucky then you're going to have to figure out you know specifically what it is and then i would also make sure the kids are in on the game plan today's mm -hmm. game plan is that at 10 o'clock mom's got this meeting now I, some of you are going to go yeah and then my kids going to sabotage everything well maybe but it's you know we're in a crisis time and the best thing we can do is be real honest with our kids about you know this is this is mom's work and it's just as important as your schoolwork. and so while you have to log on and see the teacher or you have these certain tasks that you're supposed to do i got to do this so we're going to do you know whatever 
I mean, right now I have nobody in my household but grown-ups. I have a young, a young adult daughter who, who lives with us uh, and my husband, but I still have the door locked and a big sign on it that says recordings and nobody's, you know, even if they jiggle the handle, mm-hmm. that's the most I'm going to get out of them. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's hard to figure out what that, you know, what that is for your kids, whether you park them in front of the device or TV or a movie, if that's all you got, that's all you got. If you've got older kids that you can say, look, I need you to take a break at 10 o'clock because I've got the Zoom call and play a game with your brother. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, then I will, you know, do let's let's negotiate about something that I'll do for you, whether it's take over one of your chores or, you know, or or you know, pay you so that you've got money to buy something or whatever it is. Let's figure out a, a negotiated bar, barter thing, unless the child is willing to just do that for you, which would be a nice, a nice relational thing for them to do, but isn't always realistic. Um, but I would just plot it each one of those things just like that. Um, and it's and it is. It's all about that negotiation, which does sort of feel like juggling. And you've got to be um, candid with your boss. I mean, some people are working from home and they have no children and they probably can figure out how to keep their productivity level about the same as when they were working in the office. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of us who can't do that. And so, including our bosses probably. And so you've got to negotiate what's the most critical things for me to get done. Mm -hmm. um, And here are how I'm planning on getting those things done in my current situation. And Mm -hmm. then you've got to not feel guilty about that because that's the big thing is you start feeling like a failure and feeling guilty it's going to just keep you from being productive I mean it really is going to weigh you down mm-hmm. no it's makes it perfect sense there there is so much you have said and you know one is to figure out what the critical deadlines are and and work towards those because you are an employer employee or might be an employer too but you're an employee you are being paid so it is important that you get the the critical things done but not everything is critical so figure out during this time what must be done and what's important that you be a part of uh for the team that you're working with and then take a look at the uh, whatever period of time, the week, most of us are still functioning on, on weeks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, although we can't always tell you what day it is, but the, we're functioning on weeks and say, all right, I have got to get in 25, 30 hours of work. Now, how am I going to realistically do that? And right. if, you're, if you're fortunate to have somebody, another adult in the house uh, or an older teen, you should all be working. But even younger children should be a part of this conversation so they realize that uh, mom and dad's work is important. And mm-hmm. we have to, as a family, it's important for them. It's important for us as a family. So this is what we're going to have to do. And so when can we get this done? All right. Um, so-and-so is, uh, they're, they're doing their schooling during that time. So that should be open except for one child who doesn't have uh, schooling. So what can we as a group think of to do with that child? Can somebody else, uh, help pitch in to entertain that kid during mom needs a, a uninterrupted hour here so that she can get this project, uh, off of her plate into mm-hmm. somebody else's, uh, or, uh, do we, uh, talking with friends, I know a lot of them have shifted whose, uh, whose partner is still going out in the day as uh, they have a, an essential job. So they're leaving. When they come home, the, the partner, one of them, uh, their uh, spouse comes home at four o'clock. And so she works from four to eight right. uh, every day. And he does dinner. He does baths. He does the whole thing, does mm-hmm. the story. And she usually leaves and they do prayers. And then the kids are you know out of their hair and she and her husband have some time. And she schedules, uh, she gets up earlier in the morning and gets in two hours there. So she is scheduled eight, six hours in her day that she is, because what she does needs to be done uninterrupted for the most part. Uh, And then she checks emails during other, you know, off times. Mm -hmm. So she's been able to figure out other people I know are working on the weekends when they have a partner around or a spouse around to be able to help. Uh, So they're working, they're treating Saturday and Sunday as if they were Monday and Tuesday and they're just getting up, getting in eight hours and eight hours. So that's 16 hours. There's a lot of, of creative ways that you can come up with getting 
time done. So that's so being creative and, and coming up and, and working as a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the, the most important thing. Um, I also think another tip is to set expectations uh, for behavior and not interrupting. I, I think that's an important thing to do. And that goes back to having a discussion as a family. Uh, but setting expectations and say, uh, when mom has this sign on her door, it means that, uh, in, as one of my friends says, unless there's blood involved, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't interrupt me. This is my hour. And, you, and, and, and usually, you know, so that's, that's how I'm defining whether you can interrupt me. Uh, and, and talk to them about why it's important. Talk to them about how you get distracted. And so you really need to have to be able to focus in. And, and that's important for them, too. Um, so that's another It could point. even be a negotiated thing with, okay, so mom's going to have this meeting, and this is what the sign means. And then after the sign, we're going to do 30 minutes of something fun together. All of us, you'd be thinking about what that is, you know, like, in other words, you guys can call the shots on that, whether we're going to have a shaving cream fight or whether we're going to make a snack or whether we're going to do whatever it is when I'm done, you know, so that, you know, and so that the expectation is you're not going to interrupt that interrupt during this time, you're going to hold all of whatever it is you need from me until that time, but be thinking about what that is. So then every time, you know, then that, and that works really well for children. A lot of our children have a little impulse control problem, right? So mm-hmm. they they have a question about their schoolwork or they have, or they're playing a game or they think of something and they're like, mom, mom. And during the course of the day, we probably stop that email and go, what? But if that, if we need that concentrated time, we have to sort of train them and, and train them to hold that expectation. With my daughter, there was a certain stage of her development where writing down that mom, mom thing was what, so we had a big whiteboard on the wall. And if she thought of something and I, she knew I was uninterruptible during that time, she'd write it down. So she'd remember what she wanted to say or ask her. So, you know, you might have to get clever with that to help them because part of it is, is, you know, setting the expectation, but another part of it is helping them meet that expectation. If they, if they, emotionally and socially aren't quite there yet. Like if they just, exactly. if you've got a child in your home, because I had one for sure, that just, you know, I, a lot of times if I said, okay, I'm going to go in this room and shut the door, if that was enough to make her want to interrupt, you know, <laughs> that's just, that was like a Pavlov's dog. She just could not, you know, could not control that. So we had to sort of back that up into steps. Okay. These are the things you're going to do when this door is shut, because I really cannot stop and come and and come deal with whatever's happening on the other side of the door mm-hmm. at this point. And it took us a while to practice that, but you know, it got really good. And now the signs on the door right now while we're talking and I know she will not be the person that tries to walk in because she's learned that. But there's probably going to be a list of things for me when I get off this call. <laughs> and that works. <laughs> and that leads us to another tip, which is setting our kids up for success with this. And you just gave uh, some great advice on how to do that. Another way to help set our kids up for success is to save activities that they like for the critical path, for the critical times where you need not to be interrupted. One tip is to make certain that you have got some toys, if depending, of course, the age of your child, that they only get to play with mm-hmm. during that time and, and have them high value toys, you know, the toys that they enjoy playing with. And let's be honest, screens, uh, this is maybe a time when you utilize your screens. You don't let them get up in the morning and play screens while they're or play video games or something or watch a movie while they're eating breakfast. You save the screens for when you need the screens. That mm-hmm. uh, Your, your uh, computer and your TV, in my opinion, can be used now as a babysitter, but you need to be selective about, because if they're watching it all the time and uh, they're playing on their video games all the time, it will have less power, uh, less uh, entertainment value for when you really need it. And when you're finished with your meeting, whatever those high value, uh, be they screens or be they a toy, be they a, a Lego, new Lego set or a Playmobil or whatever, those then get put away for the next time. So that the kids have something that they're actively looking forward to during that time. So that's one way to ensure success. 
Yeah, and that's and that's a, the the other reason for coming out of this meeting or this whatever you you know focus time of work that you were ready to engage with your children. I mean, if you're like me, first of all, I like to work, so that's you know. That, so I, I get done with the meeting, and then my typical work day would be acting on whatever was you know just done in that focus time, or or you know doing some other work keeping right on working. I'm highly motivated and ready to work. But remember, I've put them out there in front of their screens or with whatever their activity is. And I have promised them that, you know, when I'm done, we're going to do something fun. We're going to do something connected. We're going to really get, you know, we're going to have that, that close relationship time um, that they're waiting on. And we can't disappoint our kids. We can't then go, oh, well, I just need to make one more phone call or what you know, the, the truth is we've carved out that time. We've set that expectation and we need to meet it too. So whatever it is that we, you know, we just need to go ahead and follow through and stop and play knowing that, you know, uh, for me as a grown up, a lot of times stopping and playing felt like I was wasting my time, but that's not what's happening here at all. I mean, we're building that relationship with them and that, that playtime is as important as whatever we just did at work. Yeah, and the, the, having specific times where everyone knows that you are working is, is good for your kids, but it's also, I'm so glad you pointed this out, it's also good for you because it is easy when you're working at home to never have time that you aren't supposed to be working. So defining times that are, this is work time, and when it's not work time, it's not work. And that means you can't be, you know, don't be checking your emails. Don't be, don't be trying to, you know, sneak in uh, one more thing that you could get done. Uh, really be, really be committed to the, yeah. So, yeah. Let me pause for a moment to remind you that this show is brought to you by the generous support of our partners. And these are agencies that believe in our mission of providing education and support to pre and post adoptive and foster families. One such partner is Spence Chapin. They are a licensed and accredited nonprofit organization in the New York City metro area that has been offering adoption services for more than 100 years. Their robust pre- and post-adoption services provide birth parents, adoptive parents, and adoptees a supportive community and a connection to professionals who understand the unique aspects of adoption. Coaching and counseling services are available nationwide. We also have Adoptions from the Heart. They were founded by an adoptee and they are celebrating 35 years of bringing families together through adoption. They are a full-service domestic infant adoption agency specializing in open adoption. They see adoptive parents and birth parents share their stories on AFTH-TV airing Tuesday mornings. Follow Adoption from the Heart on Facebook and YouTube to catch every episode. All right, in the time we have left, I wanted to just give some general tips for setting up an environment that will ensure that your family is focusing on relationship and decrease some of the fighting and the whining and all that and, and increase, make us all feel like that we are being more productive and more family, more of a family during this time. Uh, some of this, much of what we have already said uh, has, has been, is, 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 is relevant to this. And, and, the, and I will say the first thing that you started uh, this, this, uh, this interview together Focus on relationships. Make that be your primary. If if you were to look back on the the however many months, weeks, whatever this is going to be, and you're going to look back and judge success or failure, make it on what happened to the relationship uh, in the family. So I that one seems like such an important one. I'm just going to say it again. <laughs> I agree. Right. So uh, what are some other things that we can do to set up an environment? in our days that will help us not just survive this time, but deepen our, uh, deepen, help us juggle for one and also deepen our relationships. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think the other important point is to let go of our expectations around some of, some of the things that are stressing us out. We know we can't do everything. We can't, you know, we can't do 100% perfect at work. We can't have our children do 100% perfect at school and still deal with um, all of the other stressors that are coming at us in this quarantine time. So we need to, we need to be 
constantly aware of that and say, and constantly sorting out, is this an important thing I have to address right now? Or is this something that we can let go and wait, um, wait to another time? And that's uh, around schoolwork, around our work, around um, other decisions, you know, long-term decisions in the family. Um, I think that that's, that's a big tip is to constantly be sorting that out because we're not going to, we're not going to be able to do it all. And we just accept that mm-hmm. and focus on the family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, another tip that I would throw out would be uh, everyone in the family needs a break from each other at least once a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just no matter how much we love each other. Uh, and and that, that break all needs to happen at the same time, because otherwise the parent is not the one getting is not getting a break. And the kids honestly need a break from each other and they need a break from you. So mm-hmm. figuring out a time that uh, and again, you can go back to having um, if, if they're not napping and uh, they're and they're if, if they resist reading, you can do uh, audio books. Um, uh, Audible right now is offering a lot of children's books free mm-hmm. as well. All about children's and adults all the way up YA, the whole bit. So uh, that's an option. Uh, toys that uh, only come out during quiet time and are put away afterwards, uh, crafts that are not too messy that they could do by themselves. But each person needs to have a place to go that they are separated. If your children don't have separate rooms, you can be creative. Something that I have done in the past is take a huge sheet, put it over our dining room table, and the kids called it a tent. And uh, one of the quiet places that people could go, and it was assigned and they had to rotate because it was actually turned out to be the most popular, was uh, <laughs> under the dining room table in the tent. Uh, so that's there. But everybody has to have a place they need to be. And, right. and that takes consistency from a parent standpoint, because if the kids get out and and leave their room or their, their quiet place and they come and you start interacting with them, then you're training them that this is not a quiet time. Right. Um, And it's worth the time. I think it, it's, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think that, that one of the things that you're doing is that you're modeling the idea that everybody needs self care. So mm-hmm. you can brainstorm with them about what they want to do. You know, maybe they want to color instead of read. Maybe they want to, you know, whatever it is. And you can introduce ideas about this is what I do as a grown up. This is mm-hmm. what, this is what my self care is so that it becomes you're modeling for them that exactly. all human beings do it. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. that it's not that they don't know what you're doing behind the door. You're going to tell them that, you know, when I go to my room, this is what I'm going to do. And then, you know, and, and throughout the day, you could even come up with, with ideas because it, you know, then you're teaching them a skill that, and then it doesn't feel so much like you're making them stay in this, but that you're teaching them that now is the time that we do this. Just like now is the time we brush our teeth or go to bed or have a meal or whatever. Now is the time we take a quiet break from each other and we, you need to figure out what it is you want to do, whether it's mm-hmm. listening to music or, you know, like there's a whole gamut of things and each person is different, right? So mm-hmm, they exactly. Can, they can, they can figure that out and it keeps it with a real positive spin and hopefully helps them, you know, to want to be in the tent or want to, you know, do whatever, whatever that is. And, and it's not a punishment. And that's why a, I think it's important that it be as regularly uh, as you can do it as a regular, a similar time. Uh, it's not a punishment. It is every person needs some time where they're not interacting and oftentimes our kids don't recognize that they need that as well. And that's why we have our kids who are, you know, fighting at the end of the day with each other and yeah. you know, they're just fed up and they're just tired of each other. Now this, even having a quiet time, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. It's not going to yeah. make them not fight at between five and six. Or exactly. Sure. It's not because they're tired and hungry, but yes. that it also teaches them the art of reflection. So maybe what you introduce to them is, you know, draw a picture of what you're thinking about today or write a poem or write down something, keep your own little journal. If you're a writer or, you know, model something out of clay that you're, that you're um, thinking or how you're feeling today. And I'm going to go off to my room and journal or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And it teaches them that valuable skill that a lot of times we don't think about teaching our kids of that. How do I, what do I do in my quiet time? And how does that re-energize me? You know, like how does that fill me back up because I'm reflecting and being calm and, you know, all of those things. 
Yeah. And, and what a valuable lesson that we are giving our kids by doing that. We've got and, more time to do that now than maybe we did before. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it won't happen automatically and you need to adjust the, you're not going to start mm -hmm. off with an hour and a half. Uh, you may never even make it to an hour and a half, but so you've got to, again, set them up for success by being realistic as into your, what your expectations given the age and, and, and whether they're napping and things like that. Well, thank you so much, Julie Beam, for being with us today to talk about this very important topic, very relevant topic of how to survive all the juggling. Julie is the Executive Director at the Attachment and Trauma Network. You guys can get more information by going to their website, attachmenttraumanetwork.org. The views expressed in this show are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of creating a family, our partners, or our underwriters. Also, keep in mind that the information given in this interview is general advice. To understand how it applies to your specific situation, work with your adoption or foster care professional. Thanks for joining us today, and I will see you next week.